everyone, welcome again to Opening Life Podcast. We're going to jump right into part two of the conversation between myself, Brittany, and our guest Laurel Justice, opening our lives to Parker Palmer's book, A Hidden Wholeness. In the first part of our Hidden Wholeness conversation, we talked about the relationship between soul, S-O-U-L, and role, R-O-L-E. As you join us here in part two, we're beginning to explore what it means to create space where people can journey together. Welcome back to the conversation. When you're isolated, then the key is to find a second person (laughs) where you can build a circle of trust. Laurel, part of your vocation as a therapist, you're doing that vocationally all the time with people, Mm -hmm. right? So... I'm sure you have so many resources and sources that you're consulting and thinking about all the time. What would you say about this in terms of circle of trust? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been critical to my survival for sure. And to the ongoing welcoming of dispersed parts of myself. I actually was invited into a circle of trust that was facilitated by a Parker Palmer trained circle of trust facilitator and was really, really beautiful. And I think for me, I would not be here if it weren't for these different environments that point me back to my inner life and to the safety that is possible, not only with within myself, but in community with other people seeking the same kind of acceptance and safety. I'm just curious, I've been a part of different circles of trust. One of my most important ones was a book group that we started in Italy. It took years, really, to get to a place where I'd say everyone in the group felt free to speak their truth. (laughs) So we kind of learned together how to be together in a safe way with each other. But I'm, I'm curious, what did the Parker Palmer facilitator bring to the dynamic that was particular? Did the group then integrate that? What they saw modeled by them, did it become integrated in everyone? Of course, can really help to have an expert facilitator. Eventually, those things need to really become integrated into every person in circle. We were moving through a book together. We had group norms there are things that we read at the beginning that set the tone for safety. And we agreed on those things each week when we met. Everyone had buy-in. The primary point that carried us in that group that isn't always true in other circles or other groups was that there's no one here that needs anything other than to be heard. That kept all of our minds out of the seat of oh, what am I going to say next? And oh, how can I encourage this person? And oh, how can I help this person get from point A to point B? Because they're really uncomfortable at point A. Now I need them to be at point B. You know, So that was just eliminated at the beginning of every meeting through yeah. this reading of our norms, our group right. norms. We had the same experience before I ever read about Parker Palmer. When I encounter someone else that has very similar experience to mine with their own language, but the experience seems the same. That grabs my attention. And so a lot of his language that I appreciated, again, the 
clarity and the inclusiveness of it. So we brought some of that language into our Nexus online gatherings. Just remember to make the space safe. We're not here to correct or advise or fix or save one another. Mm-hmm. Parker Palmer talks about this later in the book. Some people, their first reaction is, well, if we're not doing that, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. This is another word thinking more about these days. Sense of reverence for the soul of the other. You're treading on holy ground. You revere it by giving it space. Yeah. And that often means also you revere it by waiting because people need the time they need. Yeah. That makes me think about this world of therapy that I run around in. I see the sessions as sacred ground and that really mostly what people need is to be heard and have everything welcome. I'm being paid to do something. I'm trained. I'm skilled. I have a lot of life experience and all of that, but largely my gift, my offering is that I'm holding non-judgmental space for people to get to their sacred truth within themselves that's stored there. It's not really a process of adding more knowledge to this person, but really removing all the obstacles to the knowledge embedded within them, the mm-hmm. sacred knowledge. In my opinion, what I'm offering is what we were all designed to offer each other. We just don't know how. Most families, in my experience in this country, were oriented toward correction, setting the child up for quote unquote success in life, not welcoming all parts of the child, all parts of the human, not inspiring the child to trust in their own inner wisdom. Hence, the field of therapy exists and is going gangbusters because people are desperate for that. But it's not that we can't do it. It's that we're very, very, and here I'm echoing of the voice of another mentor of mine indirectly, John O'Donohue. My favorite podcast episode of all time is his conversation with Krista Tippett on On Being, Inner Landscape of Beauty. Mm -hmm. And she asks him about this way of being with each other. Why is it that we're not this way? Are we not capable? And he says, No, it's not that we're not capable, but we're very unpracticed at it. Yes. Think about the amount of time and patience that it takes to give a soul time, to give a soul time to feel safe and then to give it time to feel safe enough to come out, feel safe enough to share. I just don't think the culture and the time that we live in, I don't think we've, we've ever really been in a time and a space to practice the patience it takes to give us time. Even something you said earlier, Laura, when you were like constantly trying to deny the wholeness exists. And I feel like that's a practice that we have to embark on in order to survive in the chaos that is our world. We celebrate people who can't compartmentalize and just get stuff done. And we criminalize for the most part, people who feel everything or are overwhelmed by things. Think about how shameful it is to admit that you have anxiety or depression, that your feelings are impeding you from functioning or whatever the deal is. That's the way it's perceived in the world. But it's literally the soul trying to tell us when we experience those things, something is wrong, something is off, something is incongruent. 
And we're taught to, we don't have time for that. <laughs> These bills have to get paid. This money has to be made. These things have to be done. This thing is demanding your full focus and attention and energy. Forget your feelings, forget your thoughts. Everything must go to now serve the God of productivity or progress. The thing that we're just not practiced in is patience and the time. It takes not even just to connect to our own selves and our own soul, but what it looks like to give other people the space and time to do that and then take more time and space to connect with them for them to feel safe to connect with others. I think about how absurd it is that we work, work, work so hard all week. We get two days to figure it out and then we're back to it on Monday. I powered down on Friday. I have a really slow regenerative process that happens Saturday, Sunday. I am not functioning on Monday. I am just starting to come back to some complete awareness on Tuesday. By Wednesday, we can get some stuff done. And that gives me Thursday and Friday to be on it. (laughs) (laughs) But I've had to learn that this is the way my system functions that is optimal. After years of forcing it, having a complete breakdown and not being able to go back to the way of, of things being. If I take my time, it's not so much judged. And I'm actively working to find more professional spaces where I'm like, if you give me the time to really focus on what I need to be okay, what I can produce from that space of actually being okay is magic. But if you Mm -hmm. try to force me into the structure of what you think is supposed to be, my soul is going to reject that. And I'm learning more and more now. I have to pay attention to what my soul is saying, because not Mm. only does it have implications for my physical well-being, how my body will physically function, but how I will even be able to show up to whatever those demands are. We're not practicing patience. Everything is get it done, get it done now, 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 now. And I think everything about my soul right now is actively rejecting all of those things. I'm really trying to get it to not to do that. And it's just happening anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Describing Brittany is is a lot of self-awareness, the result of a lot of attunement to who you are and how you're wired. And now you're wanting to take that out into the world and say, this is how I work. This is how I don't work. That's a whole nother adventure. Trying to join soul and role is taking that self-knowledge and then going out there and finding somebody who's willing to honor it vocationally. Finding it vocationally is definitely the realm I'm on right now. I think another one that I haven't really embarked on is relationally to really understand and be in genuine community with other people. And I've been really spoiled because I've been super blessed to be in connection with some amazing, genuine human souls. Since Mm -hmm. I was even a young person, like I met some of my lifelong friends in college 
we've all been on a journey together of learning each other, learning ourselves. It is not normal to find people who are on a soul journey. There's also the issue of the relationships that we already have with people that are close to us because of circumstance or biology, like family, a partner, a child, a parent, a sibling. Often I'm better at giving space to friends than I am to family. I'm reading my books that are giving me all these inspired, enlightening thoughts about soul. And then I turn around and I'm an asshole with my wife two minutes later. Why is it that with folks that you're in life with, like family, why is this harder, right? That way for you guys? (laughs) For me, I've spent a lifetime working with those, what I might call triggers, And I understand them to be trailheads to other kinds of healing. That dissonance between what I'm reading and resonating with and how I'm behaving to the outside world used to be so disconcerting to me until I learned to read it, like I said, a trailhead to further healing. And so the question is, like, what's going on in my subconscious that I can bring to the conscious level that this person is mirroring this Mm -hmm. going on inside of me. The more conscious I get of those things to take care of those things for myself, the less reactive I am. I think the reason it is easier for us to have those connections and give that grace to people outside of our family is that they don't have to choose us. People say, you know, blood is thicker than water. And then I learned the real actual quote is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. And so I've been telling people that when they say like, well, blood is thicker than water and you just have to accept family. I've been in a pretty intensive process with my therapist to undo that way of thinking. You can't keep incurring harm from people just because they're related to you. You know, you have to be able to draw those boundaries. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the phrase that's been helping me assert that boundary. Like the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Just because we share the water of the womb does not mean we are in covenant. I don't have to take this from you. It's kind of been my, mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my stance on things. But it, it is interesting to see how it's very hard to have that space for people who you didn't choose. And what I'm realizing now in a reconciliation process with my big brother is we are now having the opportunity to choose to be in covenant with each other. Not because Mm -hmm. we have to, because we were born from the same person into the same family, but because we get to genuinely choosing to love this other human for who they are, not because Mm -hmm. they are my sibling. We forget what a privilege it is to be in community and covenant with other human beings, particularly the ones that we came into this world with or have been in this world with for a long time. Yeah. My wife is a treasure. My -hmm. kids are a treasure. With my friends, I've got a lot of time away and then I show up, we're together. It's much easier for me to be the better version of myself with them. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing life together under a roof, the not best version shows up and it's going to be exposed and they're going to have to deal with it. We all are shadow and light. And in family, you get the shadow and you get the light. Mm -hmm. 
safety to say, I messed up, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That takes a level of patience with our own souls and the souls of others. I love a line that Parker says in the first couple of pages. He says, wholeness doesn't mean perfection. It means embracing brokenness as an integral part of life. That's what it looks like to be in that community with other people recognizing this isn't about being perfect and getting it right all the time. It's recognizing I'm a broken soul, you're a broken soul. And how do we move towards wholeness individually and in community together, which is the challenge. I wouldn't expect anything different from you, Kyle, except to be an asshole sometimes to Kim. Like, that's, (laughs) I mean, like, why wouldn't you be right? You're a human, you're a human. Um, And I wouldn't expect anything less than you feeling the dissonance of that, because I know you'd be a conscious person who wants to show up. After about three hours of waking defensiveness and then eight hours of sleep, Kim's used to that with me. Probably going to get a next morning confession from Kyle. (laughs) Well, that's great, though, that that's part of their spoken or unspoken agreement between the two of you. I mean, our ego has to do its dance. It thinks it's doing a good job protecting us from something. And then we wear ourselves out on our ego and then we go back and apologize and restore the bond. And I think that's what closes the gap little by little. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. That ability to rupture and repair, which is a cycle. There will always be rupture. How do we repair is what bridges that gap. That's beautiful. Dear friends, here ends part two of our conversation with Laurel, opening our lives to a hidden wholeness by Parker Palmer. Parker's incredible writing is available on numerous bookselling platforms. The music you're hearing in this episode is the song Opale from Peo Alfonsi's album entitled Oyasin, which is available on your preferred music streaming platform. You can find other life-opening articles and news about upcoming Nexus virtual events on our website at nexusonline.org. Peace.